New customers. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code FIELDGOAL. Bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and stay specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Bonus issued as bonus bets. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Planning a wedding is intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Design your dream suit at Indochino.com and use code PODCAST for 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com code PODCAST. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am, of course, Bidon, joined by the man that you want to hear from, the fantasy master Lothario himself, Gray Albright. How's it going over there, Gray? Hey, what's going on, Bidon? <laughs> I, I hear you're living up in the uh, the desert right now. That's, uh, you know, the <laughs> desert 1S, not I 2. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, Palm Springs for a little while. I, uh, I'm out. I'm out in the summer, um, aka my in-laws' house, <laughs> uh, and I just uh, I just went for uh, coffee this morning, and uh, in this very high trafficked neighborhood of like 300 people, I <laughs> I got a I got a a failure to stop. Uh, I got pulled over by a cop, and I got a failure to stop ticket. <laughs> because <laughs> i because i rolled through a stop sign oh my god ah, i was like really <laughs> really you guys have nothing else to do in this retirement community and he was like no <laughs> that's fair that's the most dangerous what? thing that happens fair. Fair. you know what fair enough i gotta i gotta be honest I can't argue with that. There really is nothing else to do here. <laughs> I would be giving a failure to stop sign, failure to stop tickets too, if I could. Uh, so yeah. So hey, um, good morning to everyone, and uh, good afternoon, and good night. Yeah. And meanwhile, I have my family visiting me, and they're telling me every time a news story pops up in Atlanta about some stuff that doesn't happen, and in the little hometown that I'm from, um, in, in Indiana. So it's kind of, we're kind of in opposite worlds right now, gray. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and just jump into the baseball side of things. You know, I'm going to start off here with, uh, 
with Jock Peterson. Um, I mean, I guess we. I just kind of wanted to. I feel like he deserves to have his name set on the pod after a four home run week. I really hope he wasn't on your bench for the one week of the season. He's really going to help you. Well, you know what else? Jock Peterson deserves a slap across his face. That's what Jock Peterson deserves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. I uh, I was going to bring that up too, so we can talk about that as well. Um, but that big week is, or big, actually two games. It really wasn't even a great week, but big two games has moved Jock up to number 16 uh, among outfielders on the Play Raider, and he's now officially, I believe, in the top 60 players among the top uh, on the Play Raider as well. I mean, it's Jock Peterson. I feel like we know what he is, but does this change anything for you before we move on? Uh, yeah, it changes a lot, actually. One thing it changes is I'm never going to be in a fantasy league with him. <laughs> <laughs> this guy cheats, man. He's a cheater. Hey, to- hey, I'm Tommy Pham, and I'm the commissioner of this league. <laughs> don't don't send me a gif, or I will slap the crap out of you. Okay, <laughs> yo, yo, Tommy Pham. It's supposed to be fun, bro. <laughs> Can you imagine Tommy Pham at your live draft, and you're like, um, you know, one second, I have to, uh, I want to, I want to open up this other uh, this other magazine to see what they're saying about Julio Rodriguez. Tommy Pham would be like, the clock is done, man! (laughs) You ran out of time already, bro! Like, Tommy Pham, why do you have that steak knife? (laughs) Are we going to roof Chris? Uh, What's going on, man? Um, Yeah, so Jack Peterson got slapped, so he deserved it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, moving along. (laughs) Um, Gotta pay those those league dues. For fantasy, I would say uh, Jack Peterson hasn't really changed at all. I uh, I would probably uh, I'd probably still rank him outside the top forty outfielders. Uh, he's a platoon guy, so I mean he's good. Like if you're in a daily league, he's great. Uh, I know. I know, uh, actually, Rudy, I believe, is in a, uh, a weekly league where he has Jock Peterson, and he said he had he had him on his bench for this past week, which, I mean, I kind of understand to a certain degree because I don't, I don't know the matchups as to what they were, but you can see how, like, Jock Peterson even, I believe even after the game, like, he hit the uh, three homers, and then the next game, he turned around and hit another homer. But then the game after, I believe he was benched. Mm-hmm. So you really got to look at matchups with Jack Peterson. I mean, if he's if he's going against a, uh, a if he's going against a you know a string of righties, then great. But if he's going to be facing lefties, I could see you know going down and and wanting like a guy like as low as like a. Andrew Benatendi or something over Jock Peterson if Jock Peterson's facing lefties. So you really have to, you kind of have to like play the matchups with him. But yeah, I, uh, I I wish I had him this past week. I don't have him in any leagues. Uh, I especially don't have him in my fantasy football leagues because I don't, I don't play any. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, don't mess with Tommy Pham. Uh, play matches with Jock Peterson and moving on. Yeah, I mean, Jock is a notorious splits guy. So, yes, you do have to watch out and see 
who is going to be pitching against him uh, in those weeks, if you, especially in a weekly. But as you said, in a daily, if he's going against a righty, he almost has to, oh, you almost have to put him in, in the lineup for as good as he is against righties. I guess in a weekly format, Gray, I mean, we're talking about the two guys here, Fam and Peterson. Who would you rather have rest of season in a weekly league? Uh, in a weekly league, actually, I would prefer Tommy Pham, uh, assuming he's not mad. <laughs> uh, I would, yeah, I would go Pham. I mean, I would, I think, uh, he's got a, a better chance to play every day and, um, you know, he brings, he brings more or less five categories, maybe not, maybe not as much speed as you might think, and maybe not a ton of average, but. Jack Peterson's probably going to hit 240 as well. So, yeah, I, I think I'd go fam. Uh, at the end of the year, they might end up pretty close. Uh, it depends on how many counting stats Jack Peterson gets because, you know, it, it's going to come down to probably runs and RBIs uh, for both of them. I would say, you know, if Jack Peterson can get lucky with some runs and RBIs, and he might be able to edge out Tommy Pham for fantasy value. Um he won't edge him out in a fantasy league, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. They're pretty close, though. I, probably in a weekly league, I'd probably say Tommy Pham over Peterson. Uh, and then in um, a daily league, I'd probably go Jock. Okay. I, I think I'm with you. Um, I, I think the stolen bases uh, that you're getting from Pham are probably going to make up the difference in, in seasonal value. And then, then in the home runs, I really don't expect the average to be much different from him. Um, I, obviously Jock has a little bit of a lead, I believe in the county numbers, just cause fam has missed, um, you know, some games here and there with injuries and things. And obviously suspension now, uh, a few games suspension, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm with you in regards to where we are on their value. Uh, let's talk about Jock's former teammate from last year, Dansby Swanson. Um, he started to turn it around after a very, very bad start to the season, um, I mean, it's it's somebody that I, I said in the in the preseason and, you know, I, I'll take whatever punishment needs to be given out now. But I said, like, if you're going to take a, a Lindor type, you might as well just wait five rounds and take Dansby Swanson. Didn't look so great out of the gate, but turning it around now, he's currently hitting 269. Six home runs, eight stolen bases, and as I've said, in May he's hitting a lot better. He's hitting three oh nine, five of his home runs, six of his stolen bases coming in May. Uh, are you back in on Dansby Swanson, and where does he kind of fit in among shortstops rest of season for you, Gray? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think with Dansby Swanson, like there was a, uh, you know, early on, for whatever reason, he was batting at the bottom of the uh, lineup, which was really kind of hurting his fantasy value. And also, I think it, it was getting people to panic a little bit. Um, you know, I I do believe, uh, you know, Brian Snicker probably figured out that um, uh, he has a much better number two hitter in Dansby Swanson than, uh, you know, even... Ozzy Albies, who I like, I, you know, obviously I like Ozzy Albies, but I think Albies is probably, uh, you know, I, I would say Swanson probably better at, at, at the, in the two hole. Um, you know, I think Dansby Swanson also has, he has solid power. He has some speed. He's not going to kill you an average, even though his K's are a little high uh, for this year, but 
I don't know. It might be a small sample size thing. It, it's kind of interesting to see his Ks are over 30% as we record this. Uh, that's that's high for him. He's usually probably around like 20, uh, 25%. But, you know, even with that, uh, irregardless, uh, I would say Swanson is, as you were saying in the preseason, I think Swanson was underrated. I think he was probably, you know, at – a really a solid value where he was going. It was maybe because people anticipated him hitting at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, I don't know. Uh, perhaps that was the reason why he was going later. I, I don't really know. Um, but I think he's likely, like right now, he's uh, he's the fifth best shortstop on the player Raider between ter- uh, Trevor Story and Bogarts. That feels a little high, uh, but I would probably say in the top 12 overall for Dansby Swanson. So down a little bit from there, but not I, – I think he was probably getting drafted around maybe 15th mm-hmm. for shortstop. So I would say he's up from where he was getting drafted, maybe not as high as he is right now. Uh, he's at a uh, – you know, he's right now, he's above Bogarts, uh, Jazz Chisholm, Bobby Witt, and Bo Bichette. I would probably say he's going to fall behind all those guys I mentioned. But he's also in front of Jeremy Pena and Corey Seager. And I could see him staying in front of those two. So maybe roughly like, you know, the, the 10th or the, between the 10th or 12th best shortstop which is still good value and still obviously someone everyone should want. Um, So, yeah, I mean, maybe at the end of the year, I could see like a, uh, you know, 27 homer, possibly 27 homers, 15 steals, 250 average. So, you know, that's better than he was last year. And he was re- and he was really solid last year. You know, his last year numbers were 27 homers and nine steals. Uh, as you mentioned, I mean, he's already got eight steals. So, yeah, I mean, he's doing better in the steals department. If he can continue doing that, I wouldn't be – you know, this is the kind of reason why I like Dansby Swanson for a long time. It wouldn't shock me to see him put up a 20-steal season. I I wouldn't necessarily count on it, but it wouldn't shock me either. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably good value still. In, I would say you could probably even trade for him. I don't think the uh, – perception of Dansby Swanson is quite as good as he is. So I wouldn't be surprised if you could trade for him and get value still. Um, but yeah, I like yeah, Even with the way that he's been performing over the last month, I do think there's a buy low because like you said, people just don't, they don't really tie the production that Dansby Swanson actually gives you into Dansby Swanson's name. Um, you know, obviously he, he kind of was a little bit of slow out of the gates when he first got the call up. People kind of, you know, said he was a certain type of hitter and he's grown over the last few years into a different hitter. Um, So, yes, I I do think you can definitely get a little bit of value. I'm with you. I think he's probably in that around the 12 area around shortstops, kind of around that shortstop one where he he probably needs to be rostered in every league. Um, And and somebody should be probably trotting him out there as their starting shortstop or middle infielder. and maybe if you picked him up, I know he was dropped in a few of my shallow leagues. So hopefully you, he, you grabbed him up and now have him starting for you. Um, moving on to 
You know, he feels like he kind of feels yeah, like, sorry not to interrupt, but he kind of feels like a guy who next year is going to go in the top 50 overall and people are going to be like, oh, he's, uh, you know, he's really, he's kind of overvalued now, but I still think he's more or less that player. Like he, he's hitting the ball really hard. His expected batting average is 264 and he's hitting 269. So he's not overperforming by a ton. I, I think he could have like a good, you know, assuming health, uh, he could have probably a good three or four years where he is a, a solid, uh, you know, a solid shortstop bet, uh, in just about every league for like a top 50 type bat. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. Anyway, no, I was going to say, ahead. uh, I think he can probably go in like the range where we saw like Javier Baez and Jorge Polanco go this year, which was kind of in that 60 to 75 range. So I think that's the area we could potentially look at at for Dansby next year. Um, as he, conti- think if he about, continues, like, think about what a, uh, what an absolute, you know, crap show it was to draft Mondesi. <laughs> think about if you would have just took Monson instead of Mondesi. I know I, I know I oh, wish yeah. I did. Um, you know, it's just like that that upside allure that Mondesi <laughs> has over everyone. That <laughs> is like he, he, he's got like, you know, it's like instead of beer goggles, everyone's got Mondesi goggles. It's like, oh my God, he's going to go 2070 to 80. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, you start guys. sticking those uh, those thoughts of a Ricky Henderson season in my brain, yeah, and that just yeah, that takes over like, around uh, the around the fifth or sixth round. I know. Every time you think of Mondesi, just stick your finger in an electrical <laughs> plug. All right, so let's move on to uh, some pitchers here. Um, Aaron Ashby, one of the Brewers' top prospects, is getting. Uh, his chance in the rotation after Freddie Peralta has the shoulder injury, which could be fairly serious and make him miss a majority of the season. And then Brandon Woodruff also out with an ankle injury. Um, Ashby's uh, a four-pitch guy. He has a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, a slider. That's his second-most-used pitch. And then the curve and the change are both kind of in that 10 to 20% range, depending on uh, just what the mix looks like. Uh, he's got a 29.5% K rate right now, a 12.7% walk rate, which is high, but he has been between starting and relieving. And obviously when you're relieving, you have a little bit of a different um, outlook as far as how you attack. Uh, so Aaron Ashby Gray, I mean, it, really happy to see him get the these chance to actually get in the rotation. I was a little worried he was going to get buried in the bullpen Um for the Brewers, but last two outings, he's gone five and two thirds and six innings. He's given up one earned run total over those. And he has 17 strikeouts in 11 and two thirds innings. Uh, Aaron Ashby, where are you at on him? And it, is he a must pick up in, in every format? Is he 12 team, 15 team? Where are you at on him? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, one thing you did say there. Uh, that you were worried that he wouldn't be able to fit into the rotation. I'll say that, you know, usually, at least in deeper leagues, I've found that, like, if you are able to have, like, a bench spot and allocate it out to a guy with, like, great stuff who doesn't necessarily have an opportunity, eventually 
they're probably going to get an opportunity because, you know, at some point everyone gets injured. Um, you know, it's like if it wasn't going to be Peralta, it would have been someone else. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know you know this. I'm, I'm saying more to the, the people that are listening that it's, you know, if it, opportunities, opportunity is like usually the last thing you should worry about. Like if a guy is like really good, then it's like he'll find the opportunity. Um, so anyway, Aaron Ashby. Yeah, you know, his, uh, I saw his expected batting average against is 203 for all his pitches, <laughs> which is just like, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's so good. That's basically like, you know, that's like, okay, give him the Cy Young. Um, if, uh, you know, and his, um, the pitch he throws the most, which is a slider, has an expected batting average of 182. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, no one, no one's hitting anything really against him. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, lot of strikeouts, as you mentioned, uh, even the stuff that people are hitting, they're hitting into the ground. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's really good. I mean, everything across the board, except for his command, like his command seems like the biggest issue, by the way, his, his ground ball rate is 65%. (laughs) 65 percent ground balls with a 11 and a half k per nine i mean that's like insane that is so good okay anyway <laughs> back to the uh back to the command uh yeah he's got like a five walk rate which is really not good i mean it's so bad actually that's the only thing that's gonna hurt him if he lets people get on base with free passes and then gives up a home run or two that's like that's gonna be his downfall if any, if nothing else, like if if he doesn't walk, uh, you know, if he doesn't give up home runs with guys around base, he might be able to just like put guys on with free passes and then strike out the side anyway. Like he's so good that he could get around. He can get around some walks. He just has to make sure the ball's kept in the in the yard. And you know, with like the the previously mentioned sixty five percent ground ball rate. He's doing a good job of keeping the ball down. So, I mean, oh, my God. he's He looks so good that it's almost like, okay, but is this a mixture of, you know, like because he was in the um, he was in the pen for a little bit. So it's like, well, let's see what he looks like as a starter. So far, it's been good. He has, you know, 25 and a third innings with a 284 ERA as a starter. Uh, so it's been good so far. So don't, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like he's shown himself to be only good as a reliever. He, he can start. Um, yeah. I mean, I would be, I'd be kind of surprised if he is able to throw that many innings this year, because, you know, last year he was under a uh, hundred innings total, and he's at 40 innings right now. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they start throttling him in July. Like, it might actually work out really well for the Brewers because by the time Peralta's back, Ashby's probably going to need to, uh, you know, have a fake IL stint and not be able to throw in, like, August and September. Like, he's at some point, Ashby's not going to be able to continue throwing because it's just too, it would be too many innings at a certain point. But right now... I could see him having like uh, a month and a half to two months of just being like, you know, a top starter outside of potentially outside of walks, which are going to hurt his whip. 
But other than that, other than a, a potentially high whip, he could have great Ks, great uh, solid ERA because of the ground balls and the left on base. I mean, there's a chance here he could be like maybe another 60 innings, which is which roughly comes out to like a month and a half of pitching. So, you know, we're looking at like maybe right after the break, he starts um, – he starts getting throttled, but yeah, I mean, maybe August one, say, so from like now to August one, he could be a top 30 starter for like another, you know, maybe 60 innings. Yeah. And he did throw like 126 innings in 2019. Uh, 2020 was obviously a lost year for all the prospects. So there's a possibility that maybe they let him throw 130 or 140 and he can kind of get get into the season a little bit longer, but I'm with you. I think, you know, we're going to need Woodruff back, obviously, and then eventually Peralta is going to come back. So maybe Ashby goes into kind of a swingman role or back to the bullpen as his innings start to get up there. I guess for this season, what I'm what I'm kind of thinking is maybe like a, uh, not, not from last year, but the typical Robbie Ray type of season. So, you know, a... High threes, low fours, ERA, high whip, lots of strikeouts, um, and, and that's kind of what I'm thinking from Ashby for this year in a maybe again condensed uh, number of innings. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, I guess among when we're talking about Ashby, amongst some of the other top arms, uh, young arms right now. I mean, would you rather have him or um, let's go with George Kirby, who started off with a two very strong starts and then has given up some runs in his last couple. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. You know, Kirby, I think is a lot safer, um, just because of the commands. I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't really have like, I think Kirby's in a situation where he's not going to get any offense. Um, he's in a better park, but, you know, uh, with the humidors now, I don't, I don't even know what that, and you know, the NL central is so weak that, you know, maybe that doesn't even matter. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing it out of my head as I, uh, as I talk, uh, nonsense. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm going, I guess I'm going to Ashby, uh, but it's, it's really close. It's probably a, cor- a coin flip. But, yeah, I'm going Ashby. All right, fair enough. I think I'm going with Kirby. Um, If nothing else, I believe he can, A, throw a few more innings this year, and, B, there's nobody coming for his spot at any point in time. So as many innings as the Mariners want him to throw this year, he's going to throw, whereas Ashby eventually is going to get replaced by by Woodruff and probably Peralta. Um, Yeah. That's fair. I, I do. Like I said, I think I do think Kirby is safer. Yeah. So if people, you know, that's kind of like a team by team decision where if like you need safer, you, you go for Kirby. But yeah, I, uh, I think they're close. Yeah, I, I just and Kirby was for what it's worth. I, our, our prospect writer uh, itch. He, he actually has Cur- he had Kirby higher as a prospect ranking. So that's also weighing into my thinking is if itch believes in Kirby, uh, you know, 60 spots or so above above um, Ashby, then I'm going to go with, uh, go with our boy itch. It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year. Yep. 
Arrive. Have no clue what to do? Try some random exercises? Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Valentine's Day isn't just about who you love, but what you love. And if you love learning about history, innovation, exploration, and true stories that will leave you inspired, then you have to get to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. You'll find three floors filled with treasures from the Revolution to today. You can even drop in the museum store and get a gift for that special someone. Parking and admission are free. For tickets, visit usarmymuseum.org. That's usarmymuseum.org. I will say one thing about I, – I do agree that uh, Itch probably knows better than both <laughs> of us. But I will say that, like, the Brewers turned Eric mm-hmm. Lauer into Cy Young. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not discount like, the Brewers and they turn and the Mariners turned Kalenic into an unstartable guy. <laughs> into They turned Kalenic <laughs> – into essentially uh, Jason Hayward. No, I, I mean it's like you know, honestly, apples and oranges. I'm just uh, I'm just messing around. <laughs> hey, they turn Robbie Ray back into but, Robbie Ray. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, they turn Robbie Ray back into Robbie Ray. Very good point, B Don. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, doesn't mean anything probably, but yeah, I mean they're they're close anyway. All right, move moving on. on. Uh, let's talk about another young arm uh, for the Braves, Spencer Strider. You know, another another one in a long list of great Braves arms that have just been sitting in the system, um, and we've just kind of been been waiting on them. Um, it feels like for forever. Uh, Spencer Strider is getting his spot in the rotation. He's a primarily fastball slider. He throws ninety eight plus. On the fastball, slider is nasty. He has a show-me change that he breaks out on occasion, but it is really not a pitch that you want him to be using necessarily. Um, Spencer Strider is another guy I think probably has a spot in the rotation unless the numbers just implode on him, I think. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, actually, because, you know, if, like... um... I don't know because the Braves have a uh, a pretty long history of well not long but at least a couple of years where they bring up a guy he looks great they put him in the rotation and he looks good for like a start or two and then he looks awful <laughs> and he disappears what happened whatever happened to Tuki <laughs> Toussaint I mean from Tuki Toussaint to present oh, day Tuki. is the, is yeah, poor Tukey. I mean, I did it all for the Tukey. Remember, I mean, Tukey Toussaint looked amazing for like a for for like a month, and then he, it's like whatever happened to Hey Oscar? You know, I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> Even Bryce Elder looked good this year. Tucker Davidson. I mean, there's been so many guys that the Braves are like the Braves just throw people to the wolves. <laughs> And then they, and then they like come back, and it's like uh, they come back to earth, and it's like uh, okay, yeah, no, Spencer Strider, I guess, isn't a uh, you know isn't as good as we thought for when he was as good as we thought for like a week or two. Um, yeah, no, I I do think like 
I would say uh, Strider. I mean, right now, see, we're going off of like such a small sample size because he is not, he's not, he hasn't been good in the rotation as of like the recording of this, but it's only been one start. And I think that was like four innings. And uh, according to people who watched the game, he got really unlucky. So there's, I mean, there may not, like, he may still be fine as a starter. It's like, you know, the sample size is too small in order to really draw any conclusions from it. I think, you know, um, he was so good in middle relief, though, that, like, another starter or two, I mean, if I were the Braves, I would put him back in the uh, in the bullpen if he has another start or two where he doesn't look good in the rotation because he was so good in the bullpen. But that's, you know, I mean, that that's for unknowable as of this point. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he's uh, fine in his next start. And this is all a moot point. I, you know, I think he is probably I, he's good. You read, I mean, you, you said you mentioned his stuff and everything like, you know, really nice, solid, uh, Solid fastball, 90, 99 on occasion. Um, uh, has a uh, 175 batting average against, a 213 expected batting average. He is, you know, he is really like it's going to come, I guess it's going to come down to whether or not he's stretched out. Uh, but that, that should happen after another, maybe another start. He's up to five plus innings and then a start after. He can go like maybe 90 pitches. I think his first start, he was limited to, you know, he's supposed to be limited to 60 and he ended up throwing a few more than that. But yeah, I mean, I like him. I don't, I I think I I like Ashby over Strider, even though I, I think Strider has, Strider might have more, uh, upside potentially. Like if he can, if he can do what he was doing in the bullpen, in the rotation. I don't know if that's possible. And also Strider's, uh, you know, his innings are, his innings will also be limited at a certain point. He's not going to be able to throw. I don't think he's going to be able to throw 120 innings this year. So at a certain point, he's going to get limited, but yeah, I mean, I like, I like Strider. I think, uh, I think I have, I think now that we've talked this through, I think I have Ashby over Strider in my head. I don't know. Uh, all right. What um, do you think? I you have know? Ashby over Strider as well. Um, Ashby's Ashby has a pitch mix. Um, you know, it's, it's better than just a two pitch. Uh, Strider is really working off that fastball velocity. So if, if batters are going to sit on the fastball and just kind of wait for it, even at 98, 99, a hundred, um, you know, if they're sitting and waiting on it, it can be hit. So I think I'm with you that I'm going with Ashby. I also think he has a little bit of a, a longer leash. Um, the Braves are not afraid to pull a guy if he if they if if they can't make it in in the rotation. As you kind of mentioned off the top there, I mean, we get to see these guys come up, and then if they struggle, Braves send them down and and tell them to keep working. Um, so uh, you know they they have Huascar Wainoa down there. They have a bunch and of they guys. never they literally never return. <laughs> I mean, Tuki Tucson was good and then never came back. <laughs> <laughs> they they give him one chance. We may never see Tucker Davidson ever again. 
I mean, why Noah put up a sub three ERA last year and we don't have him. <laughs> so, like... Never. I mean, he never, he's never going to get another chance. I've never, I've ne- I haven't seen anything like this before. Like, uh, why Noah literally was like a number two to three last year. And now the Braves are not even, they didn't even, they gave him like two weeks and they're like, goodbye. I don't know what happened to you, but you're, you are broken forever. Go Spend time with Tuki Tucson. <laughs> yeah, I mean they uh, they sat right all last year. Uh, they they kind of went in and out on on different guys, and they let Wynoa pitch. But now now Wright's in the rotation. Wynoa is nowhere to be found. I I, I can't explain it. I, I don't know. Um, let's move on to another Braves player. Not not a pitcher this time. This is this is a bat. So at least maybe a little more uh, predictable on the Braves side. They've been pretty good about you know pr- their prospect bats as of recent. Uh, Michael Harris, the second uh, in double A this year, he has five home runs, 11 stolen bases. He's hitting 305, 372, 506. This is one of, if not the top bat in the Braves system here. Uh, I mean, the Braves need a little bit of help in the outfield. Uh, you know, it was kind of a situation where last year they, they pieced their outfield together at the end of the season, and just bought everybody that was on an expiring contract and old. And now they're trying to figure out who actually can start in their outfield and, and produce for them. Uh, Harris steps in and he should take over everyday center fielder roles while Rosario's, um, you know, not playing. Uh, what are you doing here with, with Michael Harris? Again, let's, let's talk about kind of what leagues and, and where he fits in amongst, amongst pickups and prospects. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, hitters in general are just so much easier to deal with for, uh, you know, pickups because, like, if they don't hit, then you just drop them, and it's like nothing to it. Uh, unlike pitchers, where if you start them and they blow up, then it's like, uh, <laughs> you never, you never recover from that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I grabbed Michael Harris uh, the second. <laughs> I, you know what? And I never even saw the first one. Uh, I, I grabbed him in uh, even as in my shallowest league, which is an RCL. I grabbed him uh, just to see what would happen. You know, sometimes guys come up and they hit and, you know, they, they even if it's only for a couple weeks, maybe he'll hit. And then, you know, then, like you said, Rosario's there. Uh, Adam Duvall, um, another guy who just like. <laughs> I mean, he was so good last year. It's just like there now. He, now he's a bench mm-hmm. bat. Uh, yeah, I you know, props to uh, the Braves for promoting guys who are super young. I mean, I, that I I will give them credit for that because there's other other teams like you know the Royals who I think we'll we'll talk about briefly in a, in a second uh, who never promote anyone. <laughs> so at least the Braves promote people. I don't know if Harris is ready necessarily. I mean, he does have like no games above double A and he only had 43 games in double A. So, yeah, I mean, perhaps he he has power and speed and that alone is worthwhile in every league to see if you can get something. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. I don't, you know, it's hard to say. I think uh, there's definitely opportunity. Like you mentioned, there's opportunity in, in the outfield for him. So if he can hit, he's going to stick. I, you know, I, I mean, he might, he could get sent down by next week or he could stay in the lineup, move up in the lineup and, and be there 
as a fixture for, you know, until Tuki Toussaint learns how to play the outfield and he comes back. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. Uh, I think you kind of capsulize that well. I, I think uh, he's a pickup. He's, he's going to be primarily speed that he's going to help you out with. Um, at every every stop in the minors that he's played at least 30 games, he's hit over uh, 294, I believe, was his worst average amongst those. So, I mean, he has a solid hit tool. Um, he... He's not really a strikeout guy. The highest K rate he had in the minors was 23.7, and that was in only 22 games at A-ball in 2019 at 18 years old. So really kind of giving him a pass on 22 games at 18 at A-ball. Um, so this is a guy who's always hit. He's he's supposed to be a good, strong defensive player, um, kind of a, a more tooled-up pache is what the Atlanta media at least kind of is saying that, the, you know, to Braves fans looking here, um, I will say the Braves, at least here in Atlanta, you know, they're, uh, the fans are a little panicky because they came off the World Series win and now they're 10 games, nine and a half games behind the Mets. So, you know, the Braves are trying to make some moves and kind of get the lineup in just kind of uh, into a, a flow here like they did last year. I mean, they, if we remember, they really weren't in the race until the second half last year, too. But in the outfield, the only person who really has to start right now is Acuna. And uh, I, I mean, I guess Ozuna, but he's going to DH as much as anything. So uh, definitely some room here for Michael Harris if he can just kind of keep it going right off the start here. Um, let's let's go over to uh, Christopher Morell. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he's getting a shot with the Cubs. Uh, so far, so good. 286, 386, two home runs, five stolen bases in just 13 games for the Cubs. Um, I think he has dual eligibility in some spots, second base outfield, uh, definitely outfield everywhere. Are you interested in Christopher Morell? I, I guess, in the same kind of leagues you're picking up Harris? Or are we talking a little bit further down here for you, Gray? Discover how a master's in environment and sustainability management from Georgetown can help you harness the power of science and business to create a more sustainable world. Learn more at esm.georgetown.edu slash explore. Uh, you know, it's funny because I think Morrell actually is a little bit safer uh, than Harris, but I probably picked up Harris before Morrell. Uh, Morrell, I feel like, is... It's probably a steals bet at this point. I think he's, uh, you know, essentially, if you need Sagnoff, then you're going to get Morrell. Um, he's, uh, but he he doesn't look, I mean, he doesn't look bad, you know, at least so far. Uh, I would be shocked if the, you know, the Cubs um, demote him or like if, like if Hayward returns or whatever, I, I doubt you know, or um, boat or magical. I mean, the or a Suzuki. I mean, the Cubs have a bunch of guys who are <laughs> on the uh, IL right now. <laughs> um, but I don't see Morel. I mean, assuming Morel continues to hit like he has been, I doubt they go back to Ortega at uh, the top of the lineup. Like, Morel is is sort of become a fixture at the top of the lineup, which is, you know, great value. It's solid value for him. That's a kind of, uh, you know, that's sort of a every every league type play if he stays there. That's, that's probably going to be more valuable than a lot of other guys, you know, like 
you know, like I said, probably, uh, you know, a month or so ago about uh, Brandon Nemo. If a guy's hitting at the top of the lineup and he's getting on base like Morell is doing so far, that's pretty valuable. I mean, it, he's he doesn't have, you know, he, I mean, I don't know. It's like he has good power and good speed. He doesn't really have anything going against him other than he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like him more – like recently, like when he first came up, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But now, I mean, he's hitting and he's playing at the top of the lineup. He looks pretty good, to be honest. I, you know, I, I, I think Morell over Harris, even though I probably went for Harris just because of the upside and the, and the sexiness of Harris over Morell. But I, I, that's, you know, that's probably a silly thing to do. I think Morell is probably, probably better. Yeah, it's a it's going to be a weird situation because, uh, as you mentioned, the Cubs have just so many people on the IL right now. It, it ends up being who actually gets demoted and who loses their spot whenever we got, everybody comes back because we got Magical VR, who are both second base, which is is currently where um, you know they're slotting Morel in primarily, um, and then you got Suzuki in the outfield who's coming back eventually. So that's that's another place they could potentially move him to. Um, so I guess that's my only concern on Morrell is that once the team is healthy, I don't know what that does to his position, his playing time, and his batting order. Um, but I would imagine, you know, it probably drops him down. He He has been taking a lot of walks. So if he can continue to do that, maybe that keeps him towards the top. Um, but there's, it just feels like he's, he's kind of a filler. The Cubs didn't necessarily want to call him up. He wasn't exactly killing it, um, in the minors so far this year. So I feel like this is kind of a gap time type of move. So I, for the time he's up, I'm with you that he's probably more valuable because he is hitting at the top, but I just don't think he stays up. Whereas Harris, if he hits, there's, there's nobody that's going to take his spot. Um, not that I think VR needs a spot back, but the Cubs want to play him so they can move him at the deadline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another player that the Cubs have called up to make room or to fill in for all the injuries is Nelson Velasquez. Um, you know, in the in the minors this year again, he's he's been in Double A and Triple A. He has twelve home runs, nine stolen bases. He hit 288 at double A, 214 in only 19 games at triple A. Uh, K rate's high. He also he, he also does take walks uh, <clears throat> though, so it's not as though he has just a awful batting eye. But what are you doing with Nelson Velasquez? Is this anything that you're paying attention to outside of say NL only, or do you potentially look at him in a 15 team league? Uh, he looks more like the first guy out when someone returns from the, uh, from the Cubs IL. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't really that excited about him until I saw, uh, you know, speaking of itch again, itch was really excited about Velasquez, uh, about the call up. So I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's more for a deeper league, uh, you know, not to put words in Itch's mouth, but I, I think it's likely deeper league where his excitement is. Uh, I, you know, because I think Velasquez, while he's got power and speed, which again is good, 
uh, you know, as you mentioned, his contact is not so great. So, you know, if Velasquez hits like, you know, a 200 uh, in his short stint in the majors, uh, well, excuse me, if he hits, you know, 200 in the majors, then it's going to be a short, a short stint and he's going to get sent down as soon as one of those uh, Cubs guys gets healthy. Um, so I, I like him. I, I, right now, Morel is Morel's ahead of him because he was called up ahead of him. So he has, you know, he already has a longer leash and he's already hitting leadoff where Vasquez feels like Vasquez, if Vasquez hits, they could find room for him. But I, you know, right now, if, you know, he's definitely the first guy gone, I yeah. think. Uh, Velasquez is kind of your typical, at least in my understanding as a as a Cubs fan who follows our prospects. Yeah, you know, super tooled up. He can hit the ball a mile. He has good speed, um, but it is it's in it's in the contact profile where he's going to lose uh, some of that value. I mean, he's a thirty thirty five hit tool guy. He's just it's just not an ideal hit tool. But again, in this first look in the majors. He could be worth it in an NL only or 15 team league because maybe he comes up and hits, you know, 270 right off the bat, gets you uh, three, three you know, home runs, stole base, and then he's he's off to the minors again and you can drop him for the next pickup. Yeah, no, totally. Or, you know, like that profile, it only took Victor Robles seven years and went to cores in order to break out. So, you know, it could happen. You never know. It's, it's not the worst profile. You know, look at Elijah Dukes or Lasting Millage. I mean, Jim Bowden loves that profile. Yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, as a pro, as a prospect, any prospect guy, it's really hard not to just chase that high upside power speed profile. I mean, yeah. We, we've done it with, with Mondesi, yeah. but, uh, you know, sometimes you get Mondesi. Sometimes you get, like, uh, like a Wit or an Acuna. So it just... Or sometimes you get... Sometimes you get Buxton. Buxton. It, just, it yeah. really depends. But, yeah, those those kind of players can really be a very wide sometimes variety. You get, sometimes you get Buxton. Sometimes you get Elijah Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say what Vasquez is? All right. Uh, let's move on to another prospect here, another bat. Uh, Vinny Pasquan. Tino is what I'm Pasquantino, I think is what I, I'm going to go with here. Um, he, Pasquantino. Hey, what's going on? Vinny. Hey, Paisano. <laughs> hey, Vinny Paisano. And, uh, and Nick Prado. Hey, the Paisans, the, the Kansas City Royals Paisans. You know, I just want to say real fast on, on both of them. Uh, I know they weren't originally in our outline, but I added them that, you know, I saw an article from the uh, from the Kansas City paper. I don't remember which one. Maybe it was the star. I, I have no idea. Anyway, uh, it was a, the article title was something like, you know, the, the more the Royals lose, the less likely they're going to promote their prospects. <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> It's so bad. I mean, that's so, I mean, to just, that is just so actively awful to say like, oh yeah, because the Royals aren't good. There's no reason to promote a prospect. I mean, that's the whole reason you have prospects. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like Vinny, uh, Vinny, um, uh, Vinny Gabagool and, uh, <laughs> and Nick Gabagool are like, um, 
you know, they're 24 and uh, 23, respectively. They're not, I mean, they're not young guys. You know, we just saw uh, Michael Harris, the second, uh, get called up, and he was, what, 21? It's like, these guys, these Royals prospects should have been up already. I mean, they actually, they should have started the year in, in the Royals lineup. I mean, there's no reason why, I mean, Carlos Santana? Now, now every Carlos Santana I know is old. <laughs> not, not, not just the rock star guy. I mean, now it's like every Carlos Santana is old. There's no reason why Carlos Santana should be anywhere near the Royals lineup. Um, Ryan O'Hearn? Oh, you O'Hearn suck, bro. <laughs> uh, Vinny, Vinny Pascalino, whatever the hell his name is. Hey, Vinny, what's going on? You from Staten Island? Um, you know, Vinny, I think because his age, because he's a year older than Prado at 24, I think he's probably up first. But, you know, like I said, I mean, they should have been up already. So to guess when they're getting called up, I don't know. I would assume early in June, though. So anyway, we'll talk more about them when they get promoted. But I just wanted to, you know, put okay, them out fair there. Fair enough. And I guess I'll say on the... On the promoting prospect side, because I, I am on the, you know, if your team's really bad, there's not always a necessity to call up prospects to start their clock. Um, so I just wanted to say my piece on that. I, I'm actually more on that side than I think Gray is. Um, well, you, you don't think, you know what, you don't think prospects should get called up? What do you have them for, bro? Hey, that's like the people who put like plastic around their couch. Like, what are you doing, man? At some point, you got to sit on the couch. You can't leave the plastic on it, okay? Hey, what are you doing? Yes, but if you are knowingly bad, if you are knowingly bad in tanking, then you start the clock on a prospect (laughs) when you're tanking. Then there's you're losing a year (laughs) when you could have used it. No wonder. You know what? Now I understand why the Cubs called you in that lawsuit with Chris Bryant. (laughs) The Cubs were like. And now we bring to the stand B Don. Hey, I think the Cubs are a perfect, uh, actually a perfect reason or a perfect uh, explanation of why you handle Damn. your prospects in a way that you do, because uh, you know the Cubs called them up when we needed them and when we we're ready to compete. Uh, KB included when he lost his his arbitration. Um, but yeah, we didn't call them up early. We didn't we didn't start their clock. I'm happy that we had them. Um, but yeah, we, let's go ahead and move on to a guy oh that God. actually does probably need to get called up uh, much more than Vinny or Nick Prado in my mind. Uh, Riley Green, who started the year with an injury, so you know there was there was an outside shot he was going to make the majors out of camp. The injury all but decided he wasn't going to do that. He started in AAA. He's now gotten the call up, to, or sorry, he started in AA after the injury. Uh, played two games there. Now he's up in AAA, so didn't really even stay in AA very long. Um, I mean, they're moving him up to AAA really quickly. He's he's already been the AAA. Are you adding Riley Green in what kind of league? Um, he is somebody who could be a potential difference maker as we're looking at prospects called up down you know down the stretch here. Well, you know the the Tigers did just call up. Cody Clemens. So I don't know. They they may not need Riley Green anymore. <laughs> Cody Clemens just got called up. That is not a. Uh, yep. I'm not goofing. He he uh, he did. Um, I didn't. 
I honestly, if you would have said uh, Cody Clemens, I wouldn't have guessed that was his profile. I, I know so little about prospects. I just assumed every Clemens pitched. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, uh, enough of Gray revealing what a dumbass he is. Uh, okay. So Riley Green, actually, I you know, I think uh, Itch has Riley Green as – the number six guy overall in his top 100 prospects. So, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, there's a, you know, there's at least a hundred guys in that list alone <laughs> from, from basic math that tells me, you know, that's number six out of a hundred. It's pretty good. Uh, and I honestly, I think probably his number six ranking, it's only because of like the guys ahead of him are really that good, you know, are, are so exceptional. Like, cause Riley green is, I, you know, I watched a bunch of video of Riley green this past off season, uh, anticipating him breaking camp instead of breaking camp. He broke his foot <laughs> mm, kind of sucked. Uh, but you know, I, I anticipate him more or less breaking camp with the team, uh, with the tigers, uh, the person I talked to last November, uh, a Tigers beat writer was saying that Riley Green was going to be given every opportunity to break camp. And, you know, it didn't happen because of the injury. Anyway, long story short is I watched uh, a lot of video on Riley Green and he's got easy power. I mean, I was kind of, I was, I was impressed. I mean, he, he hits the ball the other way out of the, uh, he hits the, uh, you know, he hits opposite field homers like pretty easily. Uh, and he's got, really solid like he's got decent uh speed too so you know the five tool thing and unlike you know other five tool guys we mentioned unlike uh elijah dukes <laughs> who's, who's getting a lot of shine on this podcast uh riley green makes solid he can make solid contact you know my biggest issue probably with riley green is going to be that it seems like when he gets promoted it takes him a little while to adjust, and he, uh, you know, he, he hits for a little bit of a weaker average usually upon, um, you know, uh, uh, promotion. So the fact that, you know, he gets called up, he doesn't hit for a great average at first. That could, you know, th that could derail his, you know, star a little bit, and he might not be that great uh, this year. But he's so young. Like, honestly, like I was I think I said this in the offseason uh, about Riley Green when I ranked him in my like top 100 outfielders uh, barely. I think I ranked him, you know, and then with the injury, I probably dropped him out of the top 100. But anyway, I would say like Riley Green's like, you know, his his path to success could be like him hitting, you know, him coming up, not hitting for a great average, struggling a little bit. And then getting sent down and then getting called back and hitting better and looking like, you know, and then and then taking another year to look like a star. And that would still put him at like 23 years of age and him breaking out. So that's still like crazy young. Like he's so young right now. I, I believe he was the young. He was like the youngest or. I think he was the youngest triple A player last year. I want to say, I, I, I feel like I remember reading that, uh, from someone, maybe itch, uh, wrote that. I don't know, but I, I, I kind of remember that. I mean, he was only 20 years old at triple A 
that's crazy young. Like that is so like that's like Ronald Acuna type stuff. Like when a guy is 20 years old at Triple A and he hit 308 with eight homers and four steals, 20 years old at Triple A, that's nuts. That's like phenom type stuff. So Riley Green could I think Riley Green is going to be a star. I don't know if it's going to be this year. It could be though. I absolutely am picking him up. Like he's on a different level than like, you know, the, the Michael Harris's that we mentioned earlier and the other, the other, you know, the other Smohawks we've mentioned throughout the show, like Riley Green's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a guy that I would pick up in every league, no matter how shallow the league is. I'd probably start doing it now because he could get promoted within like two weeks. Yeah, so I think they, as far as picking him up, it obviously depends on how many bench spots you got. In our RCLs, you know, it may be hard to hold him for two weeks. But yes, if you have five, six, seven bench spots, I think he's worthy of a speculative bench spot if you're not already housing a bunch of IL guys that you're waiting to come back, uh, like I am in a number of leagues. But yes, I'm with you completely, Gray. Riley Green is a on a different level than the guys we're talking about. Um, as you mentioned, it's had him sixth amongst um, prospects in the preseason. And actually, we can probably remove two of those guys in front of him because they are no longer being considered prospects in Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt Jr. So actually moves him into a clear top five position. Um, I would guess he probably s- slots in somewhere either four or five. I would guess Corbin Carroll from... Um, the preseason moves above him, and then maybe uh, Abrams moves below him potentially even uh, as we kind of look forward. And, and Torkelson also would potentially be falling out of the list along with Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Wett Jr. So clearly a difference maker prospect that we're talking about here. All right, Gray. Yeah, like if you said – so if you said Riley Green was going to break camp with the team – And uh, Bobby Witt Jr., if I remember correctly, Bobby Witt Jr. was going at like 60 to 75 overall in drafts. Uh, Julio Rodriguez was going in the similar range. I would have said, like, if if Riley Green was uh, stated, uh, the Tigers stated he was going to break camp and he had a a full-time job, I would probably say Riley Green probably would have been, like, I would have probably drafted him like 120 overall in the in the preseason uh roughly around there i mean he's a little bit i think he's a little bit off of bobby witt jr and julio rodriguez just because he's not as polished yet but riley green's like he's really close to those guys yeah i'm completely with you i think he probably goes in that um you know there was there was kind of a a, a tiers of, of prospects this year there was like the Witt Juniors, um, who went in like the 50 to 75 range, as you mentioned, there was like Kalinic, who went in like the 120 to 150 range. I feel like that's where we would have seen Riley Green go. Um, is that yeah. 120 to 150? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to some bullpen um, guys. Any arms that uh, people can be watching out if they're sagging offing out there, Gray? Uh, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I have no idea what the Cardinals are doing. I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think the Cardinals know what they're doing, to be honest. Uh, you know, Ryan Helsley has been like a top reliever for, you know, fantasy, even without the saves. Like, he's just been incredible. Um, kind of like how Clay Holmes was before the Aroldis injury. 
So I would say Ryan Helsley is a guy that everyone should be looking at. I don't know if, uh, you know, Giovanni Gallegos is still, I would guess he's still probably, even though, like, this is coming off of, like, a Monday where Gallegos was, um, yeah, I think he was brought in in, like, the sixth inning. But that was, I mean, that was kind of like uh, a situation where, that was, I mean, that what it wasn't necessarily the save because it was the sixth inning, but it was a situation where the Cardinals needed uh, Gallegos to like shut down uh, the Padres. So I wouldn't say Gallegos is totally off of like where it is, but it, it may be more of a committee now versus you know, like Helsley and Gallegos could be in a committee of sorts. Um, you know, another uh, situation where Corey Knable has been cursed with uh, by the Phillies bullpen gods, which m- means no one can ever be good in the Phillies <laughs> bullpen. <laughs> right now, Brad Hand has a one two nine ERA. If he were to become the closer tomorrow, he would have a six ERA. <laughs> I guarantee you. I don't know why, but I know it's true. Uh, I think, you know, Corey Kniebel... I want to say is probably going to hold on to the job, but I don't know, man. He's he's been struggling, so I wouldn't be like if you were to speculate on like a Brad Hand, I wouldn't be against it. And then uh, finally, the uh, Marlins uh, are you know Marlins are struggling to win games, let alone uh, have save opportunities. So yeah I don't know. I mean i I fell into the Cole Solcer trap and um, as uh, you know uh, anti uh, uh, one of our frequent commenters, anti said Cole ulcer. I mean that is that is kind of where I'm at with him. He really you know he he messed he messed up my head, man. I, I can't see straight right now. <laughs> Cole, <laughs> Cole Solcer really he screwed me over. Um, so I don't know. I grabbed Anthony Bass uh, in one league because he's been good, and I really need saves in that league. But if you don't need saves that badly, I'd probably avoid this whole situation. Um, like I'm more or less avoiding the red situation, which is, you know, I think Art Warren is probably the closer, but I'm not picking up Art Warren. <laughs> I, I care about my ratios too much to pick up Art Warren. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like uh, I feel like Itch has been talking up Art Warren for a while, and now we finally got him potentially in a closer role, and he's been just awful. Um, so yeah, maybe the maybe all those teams, the Reds, the Red uh, Phillies, uh, and the Marlins, all just a little bit in the same cursed bucket. Um, for what it's worth, on Knievel, his velocity is down down a mile per hour. Um, I, I never really knew where the two miles per hour came from. From 2020 to 2021 on him so that i'm not really surprised to see that uh i, I actually do think he's probably loses his job at some point and they go to one of their other options and whether any of them work i'm not sure um let's go ahead and move over to some waiver wire names gray who do you got mm. for everybody uh well like i uh, briefly mentioned earlier in the show victor robles has been hitting recently uh and he's in cores i think right now he won't be in course probably by the time people listen to this. But anyway, uh, Robles has been hot. Um, Evan Longoria has been hot. He's been about as hot as anyone, uh, excluding 
Eva Longoria. Uh, I think, um, you know, Kyle Farmer's been great. Oh, you know, there's actually one guy who I think, you know, a uh, I made a, a random prediction on uh, Razball the other day where I said Edwin Rios, you know, if um, if he continues to get at bats, which I, you know, I feel like Muncie is going to have a lost season. I, I thought that was going to happen even in the preseason. Like, I was totally out on Muncie. I felt like his elbow was going to be an issue for him. So, you know, if Max Muncie is out for the season, which I think it's going to be, unfortunately, Edwin Rios could be a guy like like Edwin Rios or, say, Alec Baum. I mean, Rios has got power. He could actually he get on base. I wouldn't be surprised if Edwin Rios sneaks into like uh, you know twelve team mixed league uh, talk for like the rest of the season. I, I I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Edwin Rios has a year that like is decent, not not great, but maybe like what we were expecting from say like Heimer Candelario or something like a you know a back end corner man um you know uh like you know spencer torkelson or edwin rios i don't know i mean torkelson i do think still has bigger upside and i like torkelson still i i don't think we've seen anywhere close to what we can expect from him but edwin rios you know might be better in the short term so i yeah i i would look at him um and there's also uh you know, a guy who's been hot is uh, Kyle Farmer has been hot recently. I don't know if that's going to continue, but the Reds don't really have anyone. And Farmer could, you know, sit in the middle of that lineup. And, you know, uh, a great American ballpark is uh, is a solid hitter's park. So Kyle Farmer could end up having some value there. Uh, if not, e- even if he doesn't have all season value, he's he's been hot right now. So, yeah, I would look at him. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Spencer Torkelson. I'm actually uh, interested in him if he got dropped in your leagues. Uh, he's he's over the last uh, or since the mid May, he is hitting 294, 375, 500 with a home run and uh, four, four runs and, and three RBIs. So, um, you know, the counting number is not necessarily there. He's still kind of hitting in the back end and he's not necessarily playing every single day. He had a, he had a little bit of an injury issue in the middle of that. Um, but he is hitting, uh, you know, significantly better over the last couple of weeks. So I think I'm with Torkelson on that one. But you're right, Edwin Rios sitting in the middle of that lineup. I mean, he could he could just fall into value because of the county numbers that he's going to potentially just rack up sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we also talked about Ronzi Contreras and Jonathan Daza last week. Uh, so I wanted to bring them up. Nate Lowe, who was kind of a a, a target at first base corner infield. Um, in a lot of leagues in draft season, he's hitting again. Rugnet Odor is doing his random three-week stretch where he's good. Um, Ken Giles is in AAA finishing up his rehab. So, you know, just looking at a, another potential closer that could to fall into, um, you know, a job when he comes back. The Mariners have not had anybody step up and take their job either. They're kind of in, again, in that same situation we were talking about where anybody who steps into that role immediately gets just lit up. <laughs> um, so it's just not, not great. Um, yeah, yeah. Not great. 
Frenchie Cordero, actually. I know we kind of dogged on him a couple of weeks ago, I think. But he's actually been hitting pretty well. Um, Keston Hira, who at least I had some hopes for as a late flyer, is just doing okay. And it is a guy who, again, two years ago was one of the top players in dynasty leagues, at least uh, in rankings coming into that year. And Trevor Larnock, another prospect who we can potentially look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, so I think that's a, a good number of names. As always, you can come find us on the post and throw something in the comments or on Twitter. I am at RazBeatOn. Gray is, of course, the owner of the at RazBall account. Good luck in your matchups this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next one. See you, Gray. All right, lads. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.